Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to DeFi by Design podcast. Here today with Rob Course and a good friend, Jan, whom I introduced at Big Geek Info Day in Istanbul this past year. Talking about Zirkit. It's a really interesting uh, roll up design. So, we're going to learn more about that today. And talk about the roll up space as a whole. Some interesting things um, happening there. Um, so, yeah, why don't we just jump right into it? And Jen, GM, welcome. Welcome. Would love to hear uh, a bit about y- yourself for our lovely community um, and perhaps how you got here. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. Actually, I should say I've been on um, a roll up uh, podcast here before. And um, yeah, about me. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick intro. Uh, I was a former academic to some extent. Uh, I sort of did did some graduate degrees. I was finishing my PhD and I saw that Web3 was sort of an interesting space to work in. And so I, I was fortunate to to get a job in, in security in this space. And I've been doing stuff ever since. So for about five years, I've been uh, in the Web3 ecosystem, um, largely as an auditor at, at Ponsnap. But now uh, I am working on a project called Zirkit. Zirkit is uh, a new roll-up, which, you know, as you said, we'll talk about today. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to talk to you about that. And I can, you know, definitely tell you more about the experience and and what it takes to build one and, and what we've seen and just roll-ups in general. Because I got in the space when, when Plasma was hot. And I guess now Vitalik kind of wants to bring it back a little bit. He, he had some talks on it recently, but... Uh, things for this to roll up mostly and, and so that's what i'm focused on very cool yeah andy and i both had the pleasure of meeting uh meeting you in person uh andy and uh epic ethan for day i met you at uh Masari mainnet in new york um and at the time i saw like this insight report that you had put together about like all uh, like every role of design you could think of like ones that i had never even heard of um so kind of like you mentioned, like you kind of got in, Plasma was hot, and now we're kind of like coming full circle. So like trace that circle for us a little bit as far as like the preliminary research that you've done and kind of your foundational knowledge. And then we'll we'll get to like the building blocks and, and why you're building circuit on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, starting from the, the core principles, right, Plasma was sort of this nice idea that evolved alongside the Bitcoin Lightning Network and other early scaling solutions for blockchains. And the idea was, you know, let's let's somehow inherit some security from an underlying blockchain, but take some transactions off of the chain, make sure that people don't have to sort of always look at every transaction. Uh, there was this sort of nice notion in Plasma, I think it was Plasma Cash, where you could sort of only watch your money, which is sort of more akin to like real world situations, right? You sort of, you're concerned what's going on in your bank account. But if someone else commits fraud, you're not really watching that. Uh, I mean, if you're the police, you are, if you're some really some authority or you have a really big stake in someone else's funds, you might be interested. But generally speaking, you know, if you trust that your money is, is uh, operating in the correct way under the right assumptions, that's sort of good enough for you because then other people can trust you and you can also watch the, the specific accounts you're going to interact with. And through this plasma design, uh, which, you know, I, I haven't 
followed for, for quite some time now, but there were there were dozens of them. I remember there was this giant sheet of like 50 or 60 plasmas, different variants. Everyone wanted to do their own little trick. So, you know, watch your own money or watch only some of your money or, uh, you know, a different way to, to, to challenge if something went wrong, something that could, I don't know, change how the data is stored. There were tons of variations. But throughout all of that, and one of the big issues was sort of data availability, I think. And so people said, well, why don't we just require things to be published? And, and that's basically how the design for a roll-up came along. The gen general design, not any specific. Let's publish a bunch of data, do stuff off-chain, and put it on-chain, and then just check when it's on-chain that some conditions are met to make it final, either a fraud proof or a zero-knowledge proof. And that was really cool because as that was happening, you know, the cryptography was catching up. The, the strict uh, mathematical stuff that sort of needed to happen to remove the trust from all of those actors. Sort of, rather than, you know, trusting people to to watch their own money, we could just say, well, actually, they're going to do it right because of the math or, you know, some very incredibly small probability. And um, that obviously allowed rollups to, you know, become really, really powerful. And I think now the idea is you could put that back into Plasma if you really cared about it. To, to sort of get some some different changes. But the design simplicity, I say simplicity, but it is quite complex still, uh, rollups is probably not going to go away in, in the short term or long term, really, because um, some of these networks are already out there, right? There's a ton of rollups already developed with mean nets, uh, with good test nets, with, with new ideas, uh, with a whole bunch of things. And they'll become entrenched, of course. And people will keep using them, regardless of if there's a slightly And when you're talking about like pennies for transaction fees, it, it's got to be really good for you to, to, to really care about the extra couple of cents. Uh, or you have to have a lot going on. And the average user probably, and maybe I'll, I'll get flack on this on Twitter, <laughs> I, I, I don't imagine, you know, six cents versus seven cents in a transaction fee is really going to be the game breaker going forward. Certainly going from whatever Ethereum is now to to those nickels or and, and pennies, that's that will be huge, and so of course the rollups will win it. Um, yeah, so uh, that's basically you know how the fundamentals happened, and then personally, I was looking at all those things, right? Like I said, I was trying to figure out you know, how are these plasmas working, how are these different rollups going to work, and at some point, sort of started getting my my hands dirty and started building parts of the system or looking at specific research questions. Um, things like security, things like what data is actually you know being posted or needs to be posted. Can we can we change that a bit because that could affect the cost, it could affect the trust assumption. Where do the data go, et cetera? Um, other things like bridges, uh, you know, big big interest in bridges. Fortunately, there's been a lot of money lost in, in bridges, and uh, you know, rollups, depending on who you ask, again, uh, are just bridges plus another blockchain. Some people will argue that too. Uh, but certainly a bridge is involved. And so having these systems be secure is uh, is very important, especially because of the history that bridges have had, which is which is not amazing. It, it's pretty good. But, you know, last year it was like $2 billion lost. I think I said this last time too. There's a lot of money lost in bridges. So I'm really worried about, you know, what rollups will, will have happened to them. Hopefully nothing. I really hope nothing happens. But let's be realistic. You know, someone's probably going to screw up some. Yeah. So 
this perspective comes from, I guess, years of being in the trenches with regards to being uh, in the development community as well as just in the broader crypto community. What what parts of this kind of and you know Vitalik put the uh, roll up centric roadmap out. I'm curious what parts of this of this current uh, existence that we are in for roll ups did you you know kind of predict or see coming and what parts have kind of uh, surprised you? Um, you know, you thought maybe things were a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I predicted much of it. Uh, I'll be honest, when I do on the space, with help of the plasmas, I was playing gadget for a while. And I think when the shift happened, it was pretty clear that actually this is a simpler design. So I think the prediction that it would take off very quickly uh, was a reasonable one, and I probably had it. Uh, I didn't predict, perhaps... I don't know, famously, I don't think I ever said it on record that the ZK rollups would be so quick. I remember thinking like, oh, steep to build around it. Like, it's years of effort. And, you know, now that I'm working at Circuit, it's, I'm doing it. So, like, you know, it's, it's changed. It definitely, definitely changed. Um, but I, I definitely thought it would take a lot longer. It's still going to take some time to get them right, to have everyone sort of niche um, applications or, or innovations put in. But uh, it makes sense to me that there are a number of of, of rollups out there. I think I did say that somewhere on the podcast uh, that, that there's going to be more than one. You know that that will be out there because if we actually want to get regular internet scale activity on a blockchain, we need more block space. And one rollup will help with that, but twenty will really help with that. And there's probably a limit on how many people can sort of swap. I don't think you want a thousand, uh, but a small number of tens. Seems pretty plausible because you could have a chain that's you know very good at at gaming, or, or you could have very niche new opcodes introduced in some places that make um, some apps work really well, but scare some developers because you know, it allows different languages and they're not familiar, or you know they they don't like that for whatever reason. So um, I think the prediction that there'd be many of them is one that was totally fair. Uh, the surprises were definitely how quick some of the technical innovation came. Uh, even the, the the ZK stuff, you know, we, we've wrapped up on quite a bit over the last couple of years. It sort of went from, oh yeah, this could happen. Like when Plasma was still talking, everyone was like, yeah, well, if we ever get zero, a zero knowledge, I think StarkNet was around. They were one of the, the longest running players in the field. And I think it was like, oh, if they can get it to work, it'd be so cool. But not only did they seem to do that, so did like a bunch of other people. And that was a bit surprising because I, I didn't think people would sit down and do the work for the first little while. Uh, but I'm sure glad they did because now it's simplified, you know, air quotes, simplified uh, a bunch of other development. Um, what I think the next predictions will be, which isn't really your question, uh, but I'll, I'll take a chance. Do you- yeah, I'm going to ask, like, what, what are the challenges? I mean, like, what, you know, what's the next steps here? Yeah, I think the next steps will be really trying to differentiate um, features and functionality to rollups going forward, uh, because where I think people are starting to see is um, EVM compatibility is definitely a really good first step, and I would suggest most rollups follow that path uh, because you can get more contracts very quickly at all of this. But then, when you don't have to rely on everyone in the world to agree with your virtual machine, you just get your core user base, which is you know hopefully substantial and 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 well-defined, you can do really cool things. You can add other functionality that other people 
either don't want or don't care about. Um, and that could be a new opcode so that you can do something, you know, like a different cryptographic primitive could be done on chain built in. And then you support a whole bunch of new, you know, signing algorithms or whatever you want. Or, or it can be, you know, ways to share data. So you have different interoperability or you can do a whole bunch of other things. So I think the next prediction will, is we'll start to see everyone really master the EVM compatibility very quickly over the next year, maybe year and a half, maybe two years. And then we'll see cool, unique innovation that really leaves just being compatible behind, right? Something else that, that will help differentiate each rollup, um, but also add core functionality. So like not differentiating just for a marketing point, but literally to do something different and unheard of, right? Like, and that could be, I don't know, baking in Bitcoin or something. I, I don't, I'm, and I'm actually hearing things about Bitcoin layer twos these days. So maybe that's, you know, a very easy prediction to me, but. Oh yeah, they are coming. I mean, yeah. Coming in thought right now. Rob, ha have you been seeing much? Ian from Espresso has been telling me so much. Like, yo, man, you got to pay attention. You guys got to do a series about Bitcoin LTs. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I was on a call. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't know much about them, to be honest. I have to, I have to research. Can you tell me a little bit more about, like, are you excited about this? Do you see? Like, I'm excited because, and I don't want to get too deep into it and kind of uh, uh, stray away from Ethereum, the promised land. But what's exciting to me is that the Bitcoin's got this proof of work security problem wherein if there's not enough transaction fees generated, Bitcoin's price isn't high enough in the future, then Bitcoin's kind of screwed. But no, with this, we bring act activity on chain. These are generated. Bitcoin security is much more uh, sustainable uh, as a model without necessarily needing the price to go berserk. That to me is like, like, sure, I will let the DGENs, DGEN on all the chains and all the NFTs and Ponzi it up. But if we can just contribute to Bitcoin security for long-term health of the broader ecosystem, is like really prominent for me. Currently, I think it's very early stages, but you know, we're working with a project Cord out. They're very cool. Um, there's a couple of Bitcoin LTs like uh, Botonix, uh, Ortify, um, and of course, different NFTs. So we yeah, have very interesting things here. Cool. Yeah. I mean, what's good for Bitcoin is probably still good for the ecosystem, right? Like for better or worse, a lot of people still only think of Bitcoin as Web3. And, and I think we should, we're trying to change that, but uh this will help, I hope. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll have to look into it too. We'll take a look at when when Zerk get compatibility. Well, first, because I'm, I'm I'm when Bitcoin L tiers and Zerk it. So, what is Zerk it? So yeah, so let's, let me let's let Miss Canterworms here. Sounds good. Yeah, so Zerk it's a new L two that uh, I'm helping to build, and uh, I'm technical lead there, and it's a it's a EVM equivalent zero knowledge rollup with a focus on security. So. To start, just as I said, you know, we're going to be EVM equivalent and, and sort of meet that bar. Uh, but then we we want to do more for the ecosystem. And one way we're doing that, other than a whole bunch of cool research that honestly probably isn't super sexy to like 90% of people. Like we have unique MSM optimizations in, in our GPU stuff, which is cool. But like most people won't notice the difference there, right? And it'll shave the prover time a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's not going to be mind-blowing what instead we want to do is focus on another area of the ecosystem that we really care about, which is um, security. So everything we do at at, research, at, um, at Zirkit in terms of research is to try to help produce a more secure system. Because as I said, you know, hacks have happened on bridges and other systems, of course, uh, in this space. 
But every time that happens, you know, the media picks it up and everyone goes crazy, like, oh, Web3 is another hack. We can't survive this one, possibly. Um, we have, and I think we will continue to, to survive a bunch of them. But if we can do something to prevent them from happening in the, in the first place, you know, I think it's sort of our duty to at least try. So one way that we could do this, for example, is, you know, add, add some cool functionality into Zircuit where we check some properties of transactions and if they're not particularly helpful or they violate some invariance, uh, we can slow them down and maybe notify people. So, you know, if you de deploy a DeFi app and there's a transaction in the mempool that's going to wipe out your funds and it's not coming from you, <laughs> you know, maybe you, you think that's a hack and, and so there should be a delay. Um, maybe that's not the, the exact approach we're going to take with the system, but the idea of, of drawing in these types of circuit breakers in DeFi into um, the sequencer of, of a rollup, for example, sounds really interesting, and it's something we want to explore. And first and foremost, um, Zircuit is a research-based project. Like, it will go live. There will be a main net. Uh, it will be a functioning network. Well, we want to try to do stuff that is different. We Our end goal is not just EBM. We want to see what we can really get out there. So it's it's a bunch of things, but the short answer is is it's going to be security. So lost job on our studio. Oh, good. About the uh, basic decimal roll up structure and with regards to zk, but you go that shoot shot, buddy. <laughs> we did. We did just have. A, I really lost the whole gun. We did just have a conversation with the uh, the CEO of Tyco, um, oh, working on the zk rollup, and uh, he was he was educating us on um, based contestable rollups. The based part not super relevant to this conversation, but the contestable part um, does have some uh, some relevance here because, as you say, like the circuit breaker idea, where if there is something that seems like it's malicious or uh, maybe an attack on the network, then anyone can dispute or contest this transaction. Very similar in this case, it sounds like you're you're you know suggesting that uh, there's like a there's like a pause feature, like a circuit breaker feature, while that contest dispute resolution process is happening. Is that yeah? I that sounds pretty familiar. I'm actually not familiar with the, the contested notion. I, I've I've seen other stuff from Tygo, the boosted rollups, for example. I think is a really cool idea. Uh, this is, I think, one of those things where I said, you know, people are deviating from just EVM compatibility. Right? They're adding offboats to have possible really cool layer threes or layer twos or wherever they're putting that up. Uh, but this contestable idea, you know, could be very much related. I'll have to take a look to to be sure that I I know exactly what's going on there, but. Yeah, it'll be similar, I guess, uh, in the sense that, you know, it will slow things down if if it's particularly problematic. And if we can prevent just one hack that way, I think that's a really good drop, right? Yeah. And obviously, we have to be careful about how that's defined and, and what it means to contest or, you know, quarantine a transaction, which is the terminology we're going to use. Um, because you don't want to censor people and you don't want the, the good transactions to go through and then Probably there will be people who argue code is law and there are no bad transactions. But if your transaction, you know, wipes out millions of dollars from the average user, uh, right. I'm not sure code is law is the right defense for that. So uh, I'm willing, you know, to at least explore the opportunity and see see what we can do. And maybe, maybe it's very, very effective 
and maybe we can use it in other ways, right? Once we have the system to detect invariants and, and do things with the mempool, we can do other things too. So, and that yeah. kind of seems like the general sentiment of ZK rollups, at least the responsible ones going live is like the validity proofs need time to mature in terms of being able to be let loose into the wild. And so there's got to be some sort of mechanism inside the design on the most decentralized and, and uh, well-designed manner to allow for these kind of uh, uh, quarantine periods, fallbacks, contestations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just a matter of building responsible tech and letting the technologies uh, kind of mature. Now, on the flip side of this, do we really need ZK proof for every single transaction on Zirkit on insert ZK roll up here? Like, is there a world where there's a kind of a hybrid mechanism that that Zirkit adopts? Or how do you guys go, go about applications which are perhaps not as financialized or not as much value at stake for smaller, quicker transactions? You know, do you need a ZK proof for all of those? How are you thinking about the roll-up landscape when it comes to the necessity of having a CK proof for every single transaction um, and kind of how you're looking at that? Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, I I don't have a, a solid, you know, yes or no answer. It, it wasn't a yes or no question, but like, I don't know where I, I really land on, on which side of the fence. My gut says, you know, ZK should be everywhere um, because we want to always be able to trust the um, computation, whatever that computation is. That's sort of the whole point. But some people like Vitalik have always said, there are some things you're willing to lose, right? Like uh, I think he, he had a blog post recently where, you know, you could say, ah, if, if you're just losing sort of your social network status or a like, you know, right? if it goes down and you can't recover that data or someone really was fraudulent about it, it's maybe not the end of the world. Um, but if you lost millions of dollars in a transaction, which, you know, I'm not doing, but if other people did that, right, uh, that would be really, really bad. Um, right. I, you know, I think that is a good notion of like, where where do we need full security versus sort of partial security and, and how much we invest into the tech that secures these systems. But I I think the gut says let's do everything on ZK, at least for now, is reasonable because these systems are actually, you know, becoming very feasible and very easy. The the sort of black magic, the hardness is being, you know, made understandable and and implemented in ways that it's almost more effort to change um, some computational models on a system. So some sort of hybrid where maybe you only ZK proof some things um, is is a worthwhile exploration. And I think uh, one that people should undertake. I don't think we've really thought too much about it from a practical point of view at Circuit, but uh, it would be very interesting. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if everything works in ZK, let's just do everything ZK. ZK also has some nice benefits that you can do, you know, like coprocessors sort of natively embedded if you want, right? So you could you could have off-chain apps running ZK systems that are different ZK proofs and then just verifying them on chain. And you could possibly tie that closely together if they're using the sort of same ZK system. Um, and I think that's really cool because then you stop even executing on chain, you start just verifying on chain and it sort of skips ahead on the, on the roadmap for Ethereum. Uh, to be clear, you know, that tech would have to be developed in a meaningful way and, and the specific applications obviously need to be built. 
but when ZK is so attainable for for now on chain, like let's put everything in a ZK chain because we can't. And you know that probably means there is, you know, going to be a long term victory for things like zero knowledge roll over optimistic ones. Even though optimistic rollups right now have a lot, lot of the user um, space, uh, I could be very much wrong about that. And you know, there's a world where, where the optimistic rollups actually play that lesser secure hybrid model that you were just talking about. Right? You could imagine a world where a blockchain that tracks your gaming state for I don't know World of Warcraft or something is on an optimistic rollup because maybe you're not so concerned if you really lose your players there. It's right? And it's very cheap. Maybe it's even cheaper. I think Zircuit uh, and all the ZK rollups will actually close the gap on the price quite a bit so that it's it's not quite noticeable, as I mentioned. Or there'll be extra value to make up for the difference if there is a difference. Uh, but this world where, where optimistic rollups can play that type of part be very, very interesting. And it actually be very easy because most of them are, are, are pretty close to mature, if not mature, right? Maybe they're just missing a couple fraud-proof testings or or extra clients for diversity, but they're actually, they're, they're probably more mature than most of the, the ZK proof systems. And, and you're right. We do need the maturity to happen for these, these ZK systems. So, uh, for now, it definitely makes sense and they have a good place. Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premia, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. What sets Premia apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premia has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Feel free to check it out at premia.finance, hedge your risks, or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital-efficient returns on Premia Finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plan of Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. Plan of Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Plan of Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Plan of Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. So Zerk is all in ZK. Zerk is hybrid. No optimistic, none of that. No, no, I, I don't think we have any plan. Full on. Full on, yeah. I, on the test net, you know, there's some some blocks that aren't proved right now just because like we don't want to spend tens of millions of dollars running a prover on test net blocks. But in, in mainnet, zero knowledge. It's yeah. going to be, you know, every yeah, it's, 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 it's,
Um, yeah. Got it. Okay. And this is something that like I've heard about like ZK and it's like still somewhat of a mystery to me. Maybe it is to other people too. That's this concept of a circuit, which like exists outside of ZK proofs. But like when we're talking, I'm bringing this up mostly because the name here is a circuit. There's obviously yeah. circuits involved and I I've heard them related to ZK tech. So like, could you kind of like demystify this concept of a circuit and how it relates to zero knowledge proofs? Oh, I can try. I definitely, you know, I uh, <laughs> to give some talks on this in the past and I feel like I never nailed the concise argument, but I can, I can definitely give you a high level view that people can pick apart the action that's wrong, but I can, I can try. So it's basically the notion that you're, you're taking an arbitrary computation, which in this case, updating a blockchain state and you're, you're making it into a, a virtual circuit which you then sort of virtually execute, right? In the same way that you can take a computation and put it on a hardware circuit, a real circuit, like the laptop you're running right now, um, and it'll do something all the time. Uh, you can you can make those circuits virtual and say, you know, it's it's not a, a new stream of electricity per se going through it, but a signal and, and the signal's virtual, it's just bits. And as you do that, you know, you add some extra stuff to make sure that the only way you could have computed the circuit, simulated it, run it, effectively um is if you had the right input and so you, you get this computation which is the same as the computation you wanted but in a system where the circuits only were simulated correctly if you knew what you were doing you didn't lie and the circuits were i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try to refine what you said until this point just to make sure i like clarify my own understanding which is that it's it sounds like a circuit is like a series of state machines that communicate with one another and execute state changes. Is that and and they're like the most simple explanation of that being like like this like a configuration of state machines and like yeah, and sure. I'll I'll simplify it even further to say a state machine is a ledger, right? A, like a, a the state is a ledger. It's a certain certain balance in all these accounts at any given time. So a, a circuit is basically a configuration of ledgers yeah i mean i think that that's reasonably fair i think there's some technical stuff the the academic and me is sort of saying we should go back to the precise definitions but i you know it's not a lecture so i'll, I'll avoid that but yeah the, the steam machine analogy is probably pretty reasonable just think of the the circuit as like there's even less than than that in some way it's 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 a gate if you know what a gate is right like it's if two signals are on and it's an and gate then the output's also on but if either one of them is off or both are off, it's it's off. So it's a very it's a collection of these very, very small state machines, if you will, um, that eventually go up to something big. And and that's also why you hear like these big numbers where you say, Oh, I have many, many gates in my circuit, and that's why my prover is so slow, for for example. Uh, it's because if your gate is so small and you want to do such a complex computation, you need a lot of gates, right? In the same way that your current CPU on your 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 laptop, you know, evolved from just that AND gate I was talking about, you know, in the 40s to a whole bunch of, of, of gates connected to make you have, you know, the ability to do whatever you're doing. So, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and of course, you know, most of the time you can abstract that away and, and, and you can sort of use a high level language to actually write the circuit and you don't have to worry about the AND gates specifically. It's generated automatically thanks to a lot of pioneering research by a lot of people. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's fair. Very cool. Okay, so um, like ones and zeros here would be the signals, right? Like yeah. if I one is a signal, zero is a signal. If it's an AND gate and it's one and one, then then the output is one. Okay, yeah. I think I'm I'm catching I'm catching your drift. You need value. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then like uh, bring this a little bit more to like current times. Uh, there was a prover network that went live a couple of days ago called Succinct. Uh, uh, yeah. So like, like that just kind of like inspired some ideas in my mind. It's like, if I was to compete in this prover network, frankly, I have no clue how to run a prover, but I'm starting to learn. So if I was to try to build the quickest prover and kind of like winning these proving competitions and, and earn money from doing so, I would essentially try to build a prover with the least amount of gates because that would be the quickest proof. Is that I, I think, um, I don't know if that's entirely accurate. So generally, you're probably wanting to prove the same thing, right? You're trying to prove a specific circuit was executed correctly. Uh, so I don't know that you have too much flexibility in the gates you can change on the circuit because you know you're trying to prove the same thing, uh, which is a state transition, for example. But you could change how that is simulated. And that's sort of the key, I think, bit here. So when you simulate it, you know, you have to compute a whole bunch of outputs of, of these, you know, gates per se, uh, or something else like polynomials and things like this. And through that, you have different operations that you could possibly do faster and better, right? So if you had, for example, um, different ways to compute uh, multiscalar exponentiation in, in over some finite field in, in Whatever that means, it's a mathematical operation, which is like an add but on crack somewhere, right? Like it's it's very much yeah. Uh, if you could do that faster, then you're still accomplishing exactly what the circuit does. So you're not changing um, what the gates are doing, but you're changing how the gates are being simulated. Then you're starting to win on 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 that. And and maybe there are other optimizations, like seeing some circuits are not always used, so you can discard them or things like this. But I would bet, you know most of it will be these other types of optimizations where you can either parallelize it or mm -hmm. optimize operations or throw better hardware at it. Those are the probably the three most naive approaches. And maybe you can do much more. Maybe you can do very different things. Um, that's where I would start. So, you know, maybe, but I would say, you know, optimizing, this is also why you see program uh, people saying, oh, we have really cool um, MSM tech or FFT tech or various operations of refinite fields that become faster because you're like, oh, that actually translates into better prover time. Mm. And better prover time, you know, translates to better costs because right. you're running so, so much. And so Zorkit is like, can you know, we, we started out this conversation by saying like, you know, all these roll-ups are starting to pop up. Like some of them are good. Some differentiation and, and variation is very healthy. At a certain point, do we need like, an infinite amount of rollups, probably not. So there's some happy medium there where there's enough variation to, to provide something new and useful and different. Um, what is Zirkit doing? Like what's special about the configuration of, of Zirkit's circuits? What's special there that makes you guys new and different and useful? Yeah, I mean, anybody say Zirkit circuits? Because circuits, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great... Uh... It's a great phrase. I've definitely used that before. It's a, I think I said circuit, circuit, circus sometimes when I'm looking at, at the code. Um, there's there's some stuff that is definitely different. Um, you know, we started by looking at what was out there, of course, because people had started to to do some of this and open source it. 
but we quickly realized we wanted to change sort of like how the proof pipeline works. Um, so you can change which parts are, are, are proved where you can change how the proofs are then aggregated. You can change, you know, the layers of proofs so that you sort of compression is not perhaps the, the correct word, but you can sort of aggregate a bunch of proofs. So you sort of prove several transactions, for example, in parallel, and then take the, the aggregation of that, of those proofs. So now you have a single proof that represents all of those proofs. And you can just keep doing that recursively to a certain point that is useful. Um, and, you know, then you just get ultimately one proof at the end of the day. Uh, so what we did partly was change how that aggregation works. So we have our custom layers of, of aggregation for some nice reasons. I can't share too many of the details in part because I'm not working at that level of the code and in part because we haven't open sourced the code just yet. Uh, so I don't want to give anything away. But we've also focused on that other thing, which is sort of improving these optimizations for specific op uh, operations. So uh, we have custom MSM implementations and ideas for implementations, which are being implemented that will change how the MSM is computed. Uh, not what it does, right? It's fundamentally to be, you know, the same inputs and outputs as anyone else might be doing, but we'll have a, a certain set of unique optimizations, which is pretty cool. In the past, these optimizations, you know, are things you could patent. Uh, I don't think we're going to, I don't know if we're going to patent them. I, it depends how effective they are and I'm probably going to open source them. So I don't know where it'll need to have a patent. Um, but we, we are looking at, at that type of optimization where you can get some pretty substantial wins on the lowest level primitives that make sense to sort of optimize and deal with. And this is part of the reason we started, you know, actually saying, oh, we should have our own. It's because we had an idea and we didn't want to just, you know, go give it to someone else. We wanted to see if we could do it on our own. And so, yeah, the, the, the circuit pipeline is definitely different. The fundamentals of some of the primitives are also a little bit different, but otherwise the circuit, you know, faithfully implements or we're being testing at least uh, all the opcodes on the EVM, maybe in video. Can you unpack those acronyms just in case someone wants to like take a deeper look? Like in this in this context, what does MSM mean? And, sure. and yeah, the FFT, I think. Yeah, uh, MSM is multi-scalar exponentiation. So it's a it's a primitive where you, I guess, multi-scalar exponentiates. <laughs> it's, it's a finite field operation. Uh, I don't know that I can define it off the top of my head particularly well. Um, the other one is uh, FFT, which is a fast Fourier transformer. So this is uh, an operation that deals with polynomial and does something there. We could also talk for hours about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> yeah, two years of calculus to really understand. What, what we're going to leave. We're going to leave any and all Fourier analysis out of this conversation. Yeah. I mean, Rob loves math, but I think this might even be over his head. I mean, I took, I mean, 4A analysis is a doozy. Uh, that's for sure. So I think, I think. It's a doozy. Uh, yeah. So we'll do, leave it up. We're going to, we're going to drop Rob on this DK circuit coding train 30 day boot camp, build Zirkit's best app. Get ready. Yeah. Come get ready. What's the, uh, what does that process look like? Um, Jan, what's the, Two things on Zirkus ecosystem. What is the developer tooling infra, um, and how is the ecosystem looking? Like, how are you guys planning to build that out? And then also, how are you guys going to be able to talk to other rollups and interoperate? Yeah. So, 
Uh, I can answer almost all of those. Um, I think the only thing we haven't really considered is is explicit external interoperability with other rollups. It, it's not that we don't want to do it. We just haven't gotten there yet on the sort of building out the core infrastructure. Um, but to answer the questions about developer experience, it's pretty straightforward. You change an endpoint on your, you know, I would say hard hat, but I guess Foundry is the thing right now that everyone uses or MetaMask or whatever your favorite wallet is. And it, it, it just works. Um, there might be an, an the occasional exception if they're not integrated correctly, but uh, more or less, you change the endpoint and it's just like you're talking to Ethereum and everything can be deployed exactly as it can on the chain. So very minimal overhead. Um, there, uh, The testnet is, is currently down because of the update to Sepolia, but it'll be up in a, in a day or two, I would expect. Um, but you can try it out for yourself. Everything there will work just like it does on Ethereum. And if it doesn't, please let us know because that's what testnets are for. Um, but everything has gone smooth so far for us. Um, so the development experience, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. We're building out the rest of the tooling that that's sort of necessary to complement the sort of actual development. So we have a block explorer. We have, you know, all the stuff you sort of want. Um, we do have a native bridge to get stuff on and off the chain. And whatever we don't have, we're building it. And this brings me to the next part of, of partnerships and, and uh, these types of integrations. Um, and we're talking to a bunch of people. So we're, we're talking to a whole bunch of projects so that when we go live uh, on a main network, really makes sense. Um, we're going to have a bunch of apps on there, you know, with all the, the stuff that you sort of want on chain. And um, admittedly, that's not really my departments. I don't know who they are, but, you know, they're, they're the big names I've heard of them. I don't where, where every project is on, on the sort of scale of, of ready to go or, you know, still preparing for it. Um, so the the short answer is, you know, we're, we're talking to people for sure. We have lots of interest. And if we haven't talked to you and you are interested, please reach out. It's not necessarily my department, but I can point you to the person who can help you out with that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a seamless Ethereum-like experience. We'll capture everything and and what we're, you know, what we're really interested in is some of those partners who want to take advantage of the security-focused features, right? So if you, if you, in the past, you know, we're we're reluctant about some some smart contract security, and you think that detecting an variant at a transaction before the transaction hits is something that's very interesting to you, like come talk to us, so that as we're building out that functionality, we can, you know, have that in mind. But if you're not interested in that either. It'll just work like Ethereum, and it'll be smooth, and it won't take you very long to change your endpoint. You know, 30 seconds, you know. According to Rob, it's busy, so I'm sure you're going to have tons of patience uh, here. No, it's code J app style. Because you know, the rollup is EVM compatible, you're not building anything directly ZK, right? Uh, when we open yeah, yeah. code, if you want to look at our code and suggest improvements, cool. That's a whole other can of worms. That's That'll be complicated, uh, scary, <laughs> and... You know, welcome. We'd love to have that feedback. But if you're just building a DAP developer, the ZK almost doesn't. It's just a chain with fast finality. Um, we have we have no privacy, so you don't have to worry about like shielding transactions and hiding it. Um, that's currently not on on the roadmap. Right now, we're getting just faster finality than than other rollups and cheaper than Ethereum. So, are you guys gonna post the the data to Ethereum? Like, yeah, yeah. For now, that's the plan. Um, we're certainly thinking of other DA solutions. Um, but with 4844, 4844, yeah, 4844, 
uh, actually really close, closer than than sort of we thought when we started this project. Uh, we're going to at least try that, see if that works as well as we want it to be the first time. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, monolithic is the end game or the desire thing of everything, but certainly it's going to be somewhat simple to develop. On the testnet, you know, obviously we're doing that without um, 4844 um, blobs right now, but we'll, we'll explore that option, we'll build it out, and then we'll see. And, you know, maybe there will be other approaches we can take. Either, you know, you can switch where your, your data goes, or maybe we'll look at other DA solutions that end up being cheaper or trustworthy. But we definitely want to make sure that security is a focus. And so to start, the fewest trust assumptions comes with everything on Ethereum. And right. when we start to relax those, we want to do those, do that for, for the right reason and with the right consideration. We're we're going to move faster than Ethereum, but we're not just going to overnight be like, ah, let's switch to a different DA. Because and that, that makes Zerk it a true roll-up, right? Not a volition or a validium or a, or a yeah, optimium. Correct. Yeah, it'll be a strict ZK roll-up. Um, you know, I think the idea of a volition is very attractive. Uh, I, I don't want to promise it because I don't know what the engine overhead will look like. And, and I want to get to mainnet before we, we I promise other things. Um but yes, it'll be a full ZK role. So no. from the builder's perspective, like a founder's perspective, technical, you have your sip of water that you need there, sir. Um, the key consideration for, for you from switching from away from Ethereum's data uh, storage, data publishing, data availability, however you want to recall it, um, is strictly within regards to security and kind of like decentralization. That's kind of like the key thought is, okay, Maybe we won't do it on Celestia or Avail or Eigen or, you know, insert your DA here because of these reasons. Yeah. I mean, what, we, we, what, through your mind. we want to make sure we understand those reasons and, and what we are trading off from that. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't think any of those projects are bad. Let me be very clear. I think they all have their place. And I honestly think we'll, we'll consider each and every one of them at some point, right. To, to some extent. And, um, uh, we may very well go go down that route, but for now, the simplest, most straightforward approach is is everything on Ethereum. And until we understand exactly what the trade offs are, or how they fit into the roadmap, or you know what our priorities are, right? Like, for example, it would be really nice to also have a decentralized sequencer. We don't have one right now. Uh, like most rollups, we don't have one right now, uh, but which is more important, a decentralized sequencer or a decentralized data availability layer? I don't know that most people have a strong answer to that. And it's actually not something I've given too much thought to just yet either because we don't, we don't have a main, once I have a main net, I can start talking about what I really want, you know, the dream roll-up to look like. Um, I have an, and I, my dream roll-up might consist of both of those options. Um, but there are more practical aspects and... That's what we're focusing on at the moment. So it's not to say we won't ever be with a different DA provider or solution. Um, you know, this anything could happen. Um, maybe this is too much of a cop up, but uh, <laughs> we could even we could switch layer ones if we really really thought that was a really good use case. I don't think yeah. we're going to do that, but you know, it's it's a research based project. We'll go where we think the the best results for the end users using the chain. You know, we'll we'll go and want results from because that's yeah. Yeah. 
when Magnet start? Hopefully this year. That's definitely the plan. Um, I don't want to commit to any tighter deadline than that because when you commit to a deadline, people start getting upset when you miss the deadline. So um, testnet's been up for a couple of months now. Um, other than the small change to Sepolia that happened um, recently, it's it's gone pretty smooth. There's been no issues. So um, we're chugging along. We just got to finish cleaning up some of the internals and open source it and get some security you know, reviews or take a look at it from other people. And, uh, and then hopefully we can get it out this year as, you know, as soon as possible without risking security considerations. Well, we don't want us to release a product that um, anyone is scared to use or that we are scared to have users on because we haven't tested something or we haven't considered something. And this is also partly why, you know, go back to the DA, like maybe, yes. oh, we all have it. And, and if we haven't had the time to do that, I'm not committing to, to use it. Is there like a, like, like also on this, on this, uh, security train, is there like an idea to kind of like, like roll out mainnet in stages, almost like eigenlayers doing with their caps, like only allow a certain amount of TV at any given time? Oh uh, yeah. That's actually something we've been talking about. Um, we don't know exactly what those stages would look like, but, uh, you know, certainly what we're not going to be doing is launching the network where we're sort of on a stage three or two from Vitalik's, you know, stages rule, uh, where we have a fully functioning thing where we just hands off and like, ah, oh, we're good, we're done. Um, it's it's going to be some some level of stages where we can possibly intervene in in case something goes wrong because, you know, what would keep me up at night is is someone putting on a bunch of money, something going down, we can't. Uh, ideally that never happened. I, I don't want to stress, you know, like, it's not the goal at all, but, uh, there definitely will be stages so that we can prevent that. Just like most of the other rollups, there'll be some level of centralization to begin with. And, you know, as long as all the tech works out, we'll become more decentralized as, uh, as we can. Um, uh, but even the centralization, you know, it's going to be some level of, of baby steps because, as mentioned already on the call, the ZK tech needs, you know, time to mature. And while, you know, we think we're, we're pretty confident about what's going on, it doesn't make sense to just say, here it is. Good luck. Yeah. All right. That's, that's, that's right. Thanks. So, um, yeah, we'll probably do stages. I don't know exactly how long each stage will be or when the stages will be, um, completed or, or whatever. The reality is the role will be you know, under development for, a significant period of time still there's there's stuff to be done so we have to keep doing it but maybe we can get to a point very soon where we're very confident that actually you can use this for all of these features but maybe not this extra feature or something go take a look go test it and test it even better than just a test net just like actually use it and and if something really does go wrong which we don't think it'll happen we'll be there to help got it okay I think we've come far enough and I think it's time to to un unlock this 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 uh on-chain elephant in the room, which is that if you look at certain block explorers for certain rollups that won't be named, you'll notice that if you if you look at the ETH contract address on on such rollups, you have way too much ETH. You have something up on on the order of like trillions of ETH like 
don't go checking the the ETH market cap. It's not trillions of dollars. Like some of the rollups have trillions of ETH just sitting in a contract, like like just garnered by a multi-sig or like some upgradable contract. So again, without like all like maybe all right, if you're curious as to like which networks are doing this, please just DM us or DM DM Jan Jan and we'll kind of like dig through it a little bit deeper. Uh, cause we're not trying to publicly shame anyone right now, but maybe later. So tell us like why certain rollups have more ETH on their rollup than the maximum supply of ETH on mainnet and yeah. why they think that's, that's a good thing or, or sure. Are they and, doing it at all? Yeah. So I mean, I, not having worked at, at, you know, these rollups, I can't comment always 100%, but uh i'll try to try to you know hypothesize as to why and I, I also don't want to shame any of these roll-ups which i'm not going to name um because i think it's just a design decision right part of it is uh this particular roll-up did it to simplify um how deposits happen on the l2 right instead of creating it out of sort of thin air all the time they did it once the beginning of the their system and every time you deposit just sort of takes from that fund and that that is a very interesting idea, and it, it stems partly because of how the, these circuits work, I think, uh, where you know the circuit always says, oh, well, the money must have come from somewhere, so where did it come from? And the, only, you know, the easiest way, maybe not the only way, but the easiest way to sort of to handle that and say, well, pre-fund the Genesis block somewhere so that the circuit always says, oh, yeah, it just comes from there, fine. Um, but it's exactly these types of decisions that help generate... Uh, like Zerkit as a project. So we saw things like that. Like, is that the only solution? Can we do something different? Uh, and I'm not sure if we'll, we'll take exactly the same approach. Uh, our current internal plan is to do something different. Uh, it might be a little similar, but it, it, you know, doesn't sound like, you know, I don't want to put 2 trillion ETH on a, on anywhere. Or, I mean, I would love to, but if I only, if I earned it correctly, and I, I certainly didn't, I won't. Um, but this is this is part of why Zerkit sort of existed was to see, you know, can we do something differently? Because when I look at that that block explorer and I see that my first instinct, even as an experienced feature, is like, why why is this the way it is? And I, I actually have no doubt that there there was a design decision made that said, yeah, this is the easiest way, you know, let's do it. But maybe the easiest way is not the most convenient, the most confident, inspiring because. Um, certainly if that is behind, you know, a critical contract, it's, it's kind of scary that, that something could change there. Uh, so these design decisions changing and, and those, those rollups making that specific one is part of the fund and research of this area. Um, and, you know, I'll say it's, it's, it's interesting that it was done this way, um, like I said, maybe Circuit will have to go that route for mainnet. I I don't think that's the current plan, um, but we're gonna try to figure out some other way if we absolutely can. And it's these types of research questions that will always make rollups, even rollups which are all claiming to be EVM compatible or in, in sort of air quotes the same, which they're not, uh, a little bit different, right? There's there's subtle differences across all of these things, and and unfortunately those differences might incur different risks. I don't think that that particular 
issue is, is too risky. Um, certainly, if there's an upgradable contract and the keys are not kept in some way that's meaningful, that maybe is a risk. But I don't think it's particularly like shameful in the end of the day if it works and it's secure enough, whatever enough is. Um, yeah. So. The the issue is that it works until it doesn't, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you have a pile of money sitting in there and it's like, yeah, like we only go in there when we need some money. It's like, all right, but like what happens if someone gets in there and they just. Yeah. So like, I, I really hope these chains have taken this decided decision, you know, do everything correctly in every other area. And, and I have no reason to suggest that this isn't the case, but. A design that sort of asks this question in the first place to me doesn't sound like the best design. And yeah. and in, and maybe it is, but in a, I feel like I should have heard more about it in more places. Like, don't sweep it under the rug. Be very open about, ah, this is this is the point of risk that we have unfortunately had to introduce. And here's why we're doing it, right? That would also be very nice. Yeah. It, which might be out there, to be totally fair. Maybe I've just missed it on some of these roll-ups. Um, but... With, it was without going like super without opening up like another can of worms here. Like, could you try to make it make sense? Like, why are rollups in this position where they have to kind of like pre-fund the Genesis block with a certain amount of ETH? We have bridges, right? Why can't we just take the ETH from the main chain? Yeah. So but I, I, I think I think I can comment on 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 why this is. And and that's it comes down to how the circuits are implemented. So at the end of the day to prove, you know, that you took money from somewhere to to somewhere else, legitimately, you need a zero knowledge proof that says, ah, yeah, funds existed um wherever in A and you took it to B. Um and and you can if if you if you're taking from this pre funded account, for example, that's very easy for the circuit to see, oh yeah, there were mon there was money there. There's nothing invalid about this transaction as long as the transaction is signed and it only takes the amount that's specified in the transaction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything worked. Um, but if you tell the circuit, hey, I'm taking money from nowhere and I'm creating money out of thin air, like there's nothing fundamentally problematic in a computer science point of view from saying, you know, add something to nothing in a variable. Um, but it, it sort of changes what people want to see in the circuit because now the circuit looks less like Ethereum because you've added this sort of exceptional functionality that means on a deposit, you need to mint stuff out of thin air, which is typically, you know, only reserved whenever Ethereum is normally minted, which is, you know, during consensus on, on the layer one. But you, you've taken that functionality, you've added it somewhere else. So you could... You could change the circuits to say, oh, yeah, I'll just do that. But now your circuits look different than, say, an EVM. Or they could look different. Um, and maybe they're more complex, even if they don't look different. Because maybe uh, you know you can make it look close enough, but you still have to branch in some area. And when you have to do that, the prover time might go up. And so maybe there's a trade-off that says, oh, I really want to have a fast prover, so I can't have this type of branching in this exceptional. In short, it's a very subtle technical issue that's sort of at the bottom of uh, of sort of the stack um, that is not trivial to overcome. Um, it's not incredibly difficult, 
they did it. I think the other way of doing it, you know, by disabling, say, circuit signature checks, you could also do. I don't know that you want to do that because if you screw up a signature check, fail, uh, like disabling and you do it too often or someone forges a signature or something, someone screws up in another way, you might have different risks. Um, but I can also see other worlds, right? You can see, you can do things where you pre-fund it with a couple of these, 5, 10, 20, and then you top up the account regularly as part of sequencer fees. And maybe that that is sufficient. Um, maybe there, there's another fault that happens if you if you go down that approach. Which is why I can't say for certain exactly why this has been done. Um, but I'll tell you at Circuit, we're definitely exploring different options. Um, something like that one I just said, where maybe we'll pre-fund just a little bit. So that if you really didn't trust us and you did look at our Genesis account, it might look like 20 ETH, which is a lot. But it's not 2 trillion ETH, right? It's not the end of the world. <laughs> it's just right. shitty. Uh, it's a hard problem. Yeah. Okay. And it's these small, subtle things that actually like really add up to making these these systems complex and it, and it's therefore why you, some systems have this design decisions that are i don't want to say questionable but like not well explained or not the way that your intuition would initially say let's do it this way. um it's because there's there's a bunch of these these small little issues that arise all the technical stuff of trying to get evm in a zero knowledge proof system or into a different type of like even optimism changes how um, deposit transactions sort of look inside their GATH rate. You can look at their L2 GATH and say they've changed stuff. They have a, they have very good documentation on how they've done. They're optimistic, so it's slightly different for them. Uh, but there's a lot of subtleties that make this type of project not nearly as simple as let's go fork something else and call it our own chain. Like you you need to do a bunch of different innovations and technical bug fixes and and revisit some designs to get some you know progress as opposed to just trying to get something else to work yeah and with that comes trade-offs mm -hmm. exactly oh well this has been an absolute journey and uh an absolute pleasure of one um yeah, I mean, if we keep if we keep going any longer, I'm going to start bashing Fourier again. So <laughs> all I got to say is it's a doozy, and I'm building the next hundred X on Zerkit. Follow me at a Andy. We're going to the moon, baby. We're going to put horse racing on Zerkit. Zero knowledge proof. You'll know for sure that your horse won without knowing how much, when, where. You just got to log in, click a couple buttons, Fourier analysis. Rob's going to code it all up. Go to the moon. So I'll see you guys on there astronaut seats and your horses all right well, thanks for having me yeah and those are counts yeah um thanks it was yeah good. thank you john thanks for listening to the DeFi by design podcast and a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support please check them out in the links below as well as on our website and in our newsletter we'll be back with more exciting guests and insights until then stay curious stay informed and keep designing the future of DeFi.